We're momming today with Dr. Matt McCarthy, associate professor at Will Cornell and author of Superbugs, The Race to Stop an Epidemic. <laughs> Dr. McCarthy is also a dad of two. He's got a five and a seven-year-old. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. You know, I I, I have a almost six-year-old, a three-and-a-half-year-old, and a almost six-month-old, and... Um, oh. I thought we were getting rid of the masks, and I actually just bought a whole new stack of them for school. I mean, really? <laughs> yeah, I know. This thing is lasting longer than any of us expected, honestly. Um, Does it go away? Kids, um, no time soon. Uh, this is certainly going to be a virus that hangs around for a while. And so what I spend a lot of time thinking about is how do we coexist with this this existential threat that we thought was going to be going away, but it looks like it's going to be rearing its ugly head once again. How do we coexist with it? Well, uh, for me, uh, it's tricky because I see COVID patients every day. So I, I see when things don't go well, when patients end up in the hospital or when they have a breakthrough infection. Um, so I try to remember that when I'm sort of planning my own day and, and interacting with my kids. And, and what I try to do is avoid high-risk situations. Um, I go out to eat, I go to the gym, I go to concerts, I do all kinds of stuff, but I try to position myself so that I'm, I'm in the lowest risk situation possible. Uh, for example, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I started wearing a mask at the gym again. Um, when I do indoor dining, I try to pick my spot so that it's not a, a crowded restaurant. Uh, there are ways to keep doing the things we like, but not putting ourselves in harm's way. And, and I'll just say, I'm not worried that I'm going to pick up the virus and get really sick. Uh, I know the vaccines work. My bigger concern is that I'm going to uh, inadvertently transmit it to my kids and that they're going to be out of school for, for 10 days. How, and to me, that's a problem. How big of a concern is that right now? Because for months and months, the thing, the accurate thinking was, you know, kids don't really get COVID-19. And if they do, I mean, they're not going to go to the hospital. They're not going to die from it. But if you look at numbers that we got just a few days ago from the weekend, 1,900 children hospitalized with COVID-19 and states like Texas and Florida that do have those lower rates of adult vaccination, they're reporting the highest rates of pediatric hospitalization. Yeah, this is so hard to see. Um the Delta variant has really changed the equation here. Uh, we don't really know what's going on other than that kids are showing up in the emergency rooms and ending up in the ICU. And there's a, a question of, is that because the Delta variant is more aggressive, more lethal? Um, I haven't seen any evidence of that. You know, I treat adult COVID patients every single day, and I haven't seen any evidence that this virus and this variant are causing more dangerous infections. The leading theory is that the Delta variant is very good at reinfecting people. And so kids still are very low risk, but they're just getting repeatedly infected. And one of those times could land them in the emergency room, could land them in the ICU. So uh, as much as we'd like to completely let our guards down, um, I think that's a bit premature right now. I haven't heard that before. That That's interesting. So you don't believe that the Delta variant is more lethal, but it's more contagious. Would you go with that? It's, it's more contagious. That is, a, that is okay. an excellent summary of the Delta variant. Far more contagious. It produces a thousand times more viral particles in the noses of people who have COVID than the prior variants or the previous strains of it. But no evidence thus far that it's more lethal. So 
so I'm, I'm taking it. I take it you agree that kids should be masked at least as we start the new school year. And, and in many places, they've already went back to school. But, you know, where you are in New York and where I am in New Jersey, that's not the case. Right. My goal is to have my two kids in class five days a week for in-person learning. And I'll put them through just about any hoops <laughs> that it takes to get them in the classroom. And if it requires them to be in masks, so be it. Uh, my kids haven't really put up a big fight with masks. So I've, I, it hasn't been a big issue for us. But when schools start shutting down, that is an unacceptable situation for me. You know, watching my first grader on Zoom was heartbreaking. So if masks are what it takes to keep the schools open, um, I am all for it. And I certainly think that, um, you know, re- individual municipalities and regions should have the flexibility to make those decisions based on the amount of transmission in their area. Uh, where you mentioned that we are right now, New Jersey, New York, cases are relatively low, but I anticipate that they're going to, to we're going to see an uptick as the weather cools. And um, certain parts of the country that feel like they're on fire right now, like the South, uh, it, that, that's going to crest and then it's going to be our turn to experience the Delta variant. Do you think adults who aren't vaccinated? So, well, here, here's the cover that unvaccinated adults have right now, that the vaccine doesn't protect against the Delta variant. So what's the point? Right. And you you can argue that case. But do you think as the weather turns cooler and more activities go indoors and we don't see a big increase in vaccinations, that kids are going to be home all the time on well, Zoom that's school? A- yeah, I mean, that's a that's a really important question that you asked, that you raised the point of, do, do the vaccines prevent, uh, protect against the Delta variant? This is important. When we developed these vaccines, they were t- to prevent hospitalization and death. They still do that very, very well. Then in May, the CDC came out and said, you know, these vaccines actually can do a second thing. They can prevent transmission. So if you're fully vaccinated, you don't even have to wear a mask anymore. They had to then walk that back and say, you know what, the the Delta variant, this is behaving in a way we weren't expecting. The vaccines still protect you against serious illness and death. When I'm treating patients, I am not seeing fully vaccinated, otherwise healthy adults ending up in the emergency room. Uh, The people I'm seeing are either unvaccinated or they are vaccinated but have very, very weak immune systems. If you are unvaccinated, you are predisposing yourself to getting the Delta variant at a much higher rate than people who are vaccinated. So um, what I anticipate is that we're gonna see cases rise um, in the Northeast to the point that the case counts are so high that a mask mandate will be necessary to keep the classrooms open. So uh, I'm trying to enjoy the warm summer months as much as possible because I think the fall we're going to see an uptick that prompts uh, a bit more masking than we see right now. So you expect a mask mandate in schools for children late fall and certainly in the winter? Oh, yes. Um, I I expect an indoor mask mandate for New York City um, by October. Uh, that's the thing that that will that will I think surprise a lot of people. Oh my that, goodness! Yeah. Oh my that, goodness! That, well, so, I, you look. I, I don't like to be the bearer of bad news. Uh, that's why I'm trying to have a, a really great summer right now. But look, this is clearly a seasonal virus. Um, uh, if you look last year, uh, cases started to go up in New York around mid October, 
and they kept going up and up through the holidays and then through the winter months and then they decreased as soon as the weather got warm. If you look at Florida, uh, cases in 2020 started to spike in July. And what had happened in 2021? They started to go up in July. That's when the weather gets so hot down there. I'm from Florida. Mm. The weather gets so hot, everyone goes inside to the air conditioning. Uh, and that's where this is spreading. And so uh, we can look at these patterns and we, it can help us to make informed decisions about, about what's coming. Jeez. I, I, I do want to ask you about vaccinating children, if you would do it, if you recommend it. And we will do that when We're Momming Today returns right after this. We're back on We're Momming today with Dr. Matt McCarthy, um, dad of two, an expert in uh, in all things coronavirus these days. And, and you have two kids. Obviously, they're not eligible for a, a COVID vaccine. But, well, A, update us on where Pfizer and Moderna and the other uh, drug makers stand on vaccination for, for children and if you would vaccinate your young children. Yeah, so we are expecting uh, vaccinations to be available for children age 5 to 11 in the middle of winter. That's the most detailed uh, that they've given us so far. So to me, midwinter means something like January um, or February. Uh, And then the question of, am I actually going to have my kids get it? Well, in the vaccine world, what we like to say is that when a new vaccine is introduced, uh, we breathe a sigh of relief after it's gone into the arms of 3 million people. That's when we can say, you know what, if there is something dangerous happen, happening, we will see it emerge after 3 million have gotten it. Um, I have been very pleased with the safety profile of all three of the vaccines that are authorized in the United States. There are clearly some risks associated with each and every one of them. Um, but this is a, comes down to risk tolerance and, and looking at the potential benefits of them against the potential dangers of the, the variants and the, the coronavirus that's circulating. I am going to vaccinate my kids. Um, I have seen data that shows that people who have coronavirus and recover from it are twice as likely to get reinfected as those who are vaccinated. So to me, this is a way to to protect them for the future. And then also a logistics reason. I'm fully vaccinated. If I got exposed to COVID today, I don't have to quarantine. I just have to go and get a test three to five days after my exposure, but I'm allowed to wear a mask and go and live my life. I would love it if my kids don't have to get sent home from school every time there's a positive case in their class. Um, The vaccinations can keep them in the classroom, which Uh, is really my ultimate priority. So, you know, I still have to see the data uh, on what it looks like for age five to 11. And in speaking to the parents in my community and in communities around the country, I know that there are a lot of people who are hesitant to vaccinate their kids. Um, I think that it's going to be something that slowly catches on, but but that does eventually catch on as we see more and more children get vaccinated and not having um, dangerous or adverse events. You just said it, though. Parents are so desperate. They want the kids in school because they either have to work and, and, you know, parents don't teach as well as teachers teach. Let's face it. And if your child is vaccinated and there's a positive case in the classroom, they can go to school the next day just after a negative test result and with the, and with the mask? Well, for adults right now, you would wear a mask until you get the negative test. Got it. So presumably that's going to be the same policy for kids. So yeah, they could stay in the classroom, they could wear a mask and then get that negative test and, and 
and get back to normal life. To me, that's a huge benefit that's never emphasized when we talk about uh, the risks and benefits of vaccinating kids. And whenever I approach this conversation with people, uh, I always ask them, where are you at with this decision? Um, some people are so certain that they're not going to vaccinate their kids no matter what, that I don't make much headway with them. But a lot of people are, are, are just on the fence and want to get some more information and, and and, you know, they want to do the right thing for their kids. And I think we're going to be able to have a lot more informed discussion once the data is actually released. Um, and, you know, that will probably be in the mid to late fall. And then we can start making actual concrete plans for how to best vaccinate our kids. So where do we stand on vaccination and vaccination rates for old, older children, those between 12 and 17 years old? It's pretty good. Um, I think that what kids are, are waiting to see is that if their friends are doing it and they're waiting to see if there is any kind of dangerous side effects. There was this um, uh, thing called myocarditis or inflammation of the heart that has been seen as a rare side effect of the Pfizer vaccine with young men. Um, and that, I think, scared some people off. And what we're seeing is that with more and more data accruing, um, that this is a very rare side effect, and and it should not be something that that prevents people from going out and getting vaccinated. But you know this this comes down to risk tolerance. Every person has a slightly different risk tolerance. What's acceptable to me and my kids might be different than than you and your kids. And and I understand that. I'm not one of these people who's going around trying to grab every person I can and inject an, uh, a vaccine <laughs> into their arm. You know. I, but, but I think that we're going to see as the time passes that this is going to become more and more accepted among kids and, and, and teenagers. And, and then where do boosters, the third shot, what, how does that fall into all of this? Um, you know, they're going to be available for fully vaccinated Americans if they've gotten the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccines as early as the middle of next month, right? And it would be eight, um, eight months after the second shot, correct? That's right. This is going to be a very controversial topic. Um, what I see all the time are fully vaccinated adults who have weak immune systems, who are having breakthrough infections. We absolutely should be giving boosters to those people. And the, the wording from the FDA is that if you have been a solid organ transplant recipient or you have an equivalent degree of immune impairment, you know, if you have advanced HIV or if you're getting chemotherapy, uh, you should get a booster. And that's th that's really not controversial at all. The bigger controversy is whether or not healthy adults really need a third shot, whether you and I need to get one. Uh, I'm not convinced that we do right now. Uh, and the reason for that is I'm not seeing healthy adults coming in really sick with COVID. The, these vaccines are holding up very nicely. And I think that if you're going to tell healthy adults that they need a third shot, you've got to be transparent about the data that you're using and you've got to explain the rationale. If the rationale is to pr protect against hospitalization and death, well, we don't need a booster. If the rationale is that a really high level of antibodies could prevent transmission of the virus, then you could start making a case that, that a third shot is necessary. But that's not what these vaccines were, were initially designed to do. So you're going to see a, a, a strong argument on both sides of this play out over the next few months. Um, as a healthcare worker, they may strongly encourage me to get a booster because they don't want me to um, transmit the virus to my patients. And, and that's a, a, a rationale that I can live with. But should adults who are you know, working in an office somewhere really get a third shot? I'm not convinced yet. That's interesting. Um, 
do we know? So I had the Moderna vaccine. First shot, fine. Second shot, I nearly died. Do, do we know <laughs> what? Well, it was my. It was I, it, you know I was on maternity leave at the time. Had I, I would have had a call out of work for two days. Is that yeah. expected with these boosters? Well, you know, the first I, I had a similar experience that the first shot was fine. Second one, I was just kind of moving at 50 percent for a whole day. And I just said, man, this is this is tough. Uh, and then it went away. And, you know, the, the what we say is that that those symptoms show that the vaccine is working. That's your body pumping out antibodies and T cells and, and really transforming into a machine that can fight coronavirus. We don't really know what's going to happen with the third shot. There's some data coming out of Israel that the the third shot should be fairly similar in in terms of side effects to the previous two. Um, But it also depends on whether or not you've already had coronavirus. The the data are evolving here, but I would expect that the way you felt after the second shot is probably how you feel after the third shot. This is why I have the the hesitation to, to, you know, give a strong endorsement for a third shot for healthy people. If we're going to put people through this, we better have a good reason for doing so. And and that data may be coming, but I haven't seen it yet. And what about um, having one shot where annually you would get the flu shot and a, a COVID booster at the same time? Is anybody working on um, something more easy like that? Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, that's the natural progression of this is okay. people are already working on this. Is You just get, get it at the same time, you know, say every October in anticipation of flu season. You know, one side point of this is that I have not seen a case of influenza uh, since mm-hmm. January of 2020. Uh, that's in, it's extraordinary that, to go a year and a half without a single case of influenza at one of the, you know, at, at a very busy hospital. But uh, for some reason, this virus, coronavirus, is preventing some of the other viruses from popping up. And we haven't quite figured out why that is. But, but the, the, that the, is interesting. The, yeah, it's a it's a phenomenon that we're going to be studying for a while. I I thought maybe because more kids were in masks, but I, I don't I don't think that's the reason. Well, you know, there's some some people say that, but the 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 data on masks to prevent influenza is even more controversial than the data on masks <laughs> for for COVID. <laughs> what about RSV? Isn't there a type of RSV that's on the rise right now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, in the area where I live, north of Manhattan, there's been outbreaks of RSV and. We're starting to see more of that, presumably because kids are getting back to normal life and, and actually interacting maskless, you know, especially over the summer. And, and that's one of these viruses that's easily spread from, from kids. But it's usually uh, not a severe infection. It's self-limiting. Kids get better. You know, it's one of these head colds. Um, but it's one that we're, we're keeping a very close eye on. And, and last question. If um, a school is recommending strongly that children are vac- um, are, are wear masks, that automatically means that the extracurricular activities should be masked as well. How does well, that usually no, work? Because no, a lot of no, pa- yeah, well, I'm just no. a lot of parents say, well, the kids are having to wear masks in school all day. It's and it's affecting them emotionally. They're breathing, but yet yeah. you know they have football practice and they don't wear masks. Yeah. So the the thing with masks is they work best in high risk situations. When I walk in to see a COVID patient who is coughing. Obviously, I'm going to wear a mask. The risk is extraordinarily high. They don't work as well in low-risk situations, and being outdoors is a low-risk situation. 
I don't plan to wear a mask outdoors ever again in my entire life. <laughs> so when there's a, a, an extracurricular that takes place outdoors, I do not feel strongly that that needs to have a mask mandate. Being indoors is fundamentally different than being outdoors. So if I see kids you know, out playing soccer this fall and they're wearing masks, I will think to myself, that's probably not necessary. If they're indoors wearing masks during volleyball, okay, you know, you could talk me into that. But the, the setting really matters here. Um, and, and for outdoor sports, I don't see a good reason to put these kids in masks. Dr. Matt McCarthy, appreciate the time. And um, you might have changed my views on a couple of things, and I do <laughs> appreciate that. But I'm going I'm to enjoy this last month before the mask mandate comes on in New York City, right? The month and a half right. we have left. <laughs> yes, enjoy it. All right, have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.